0: There. Welcome back to another episode of Quirky HR. I am joined by Ali Aguilar. She is the HR manager at Envision It, which does digital marketing and media. And she is an HR department of one. So I'm sure we're going to get into it. But Ali, welcome to Quirky HR. And if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Dana.
1: Um, yeah. HR team of one uh for a boutique uh, Marketing agency. We're in downtown Chicago. Um, I have a past in retail business development, um, and I started at Envision as an office manager, um, and that evolved into kind of a hybrid office manager HR role. And uh, now that's what I do. I have been here for almost eleven years. It'll be eleven years
0: in June longevity which is fantastic. Um talk to us a little bit about that office manager role cuz I think office managers often get tasked with the HR just through osmosis. So what did did that happen to you and did that what did that look like for you? Yeah, I see that all
1: the time and I think it kind of becomes a necessity thing. Um, My path I think was maybe a little different. Um, I saw the company growing. I saw a need. Um, HR didn't really exist. The paperwork got done. Um, But I I saw a need, an opportunity, and really had an interest. So... I basically built a business case, uh, presented it to like the C-suite and they thought that was a great idea. Uh, they actually sent me to get my certification. So, you know, went through the the prep course, all that good stuff, took my exam. Um, and then, you know, over those couple of years, started to transition more HR, uh, was building a lot of things, you know, that didn't exist before. And yeah, that led me to to where I am today.
0: Can we talk a little bit about the business case? Because I think that a lot of times I ask my guests, like, how do we get the C suite on board with something? You know, a new benefit change or a, a different policy or procedure, and and that tends to be, I think, a challenge for a lot of people is making a business case because we're like, oh, we work in HR, of course it's the right okay. thing to do. It's for the people, and it's you know you legally have to. But the answer is always you have to make a business case for it. So can you talk a little bit about how you crafted that case? Yeah. Um well I got lucky because
1: a lot of the kind of administrative HR type of things were being handled by uh our controller. Um so I had her as a, somewhat of a cheerleader for me to be this dedicated role. You know, she definitely wanted that off her plate. Um But really, it came down to speaking to the benefits and how it could positively evolve the agency, Um, how it would streamline things, how it would make people more efficient, how it would eliminate risk. Um, And nowadays, you know, I, I definitely, the number one thing I would say when you're building a business case is to play to the dealer. You know, I can build a business case and have a lot of points, a lot of really solid points. But if I'm presenting this to the CEO, I need to highlight what he's going to care about, which is typically the bottom line. So if you know what is motivating the people that you're building this business case for, you're going to be able to appeal to them uh, and eliminate the noise that won't register for them or be as impactful as it probably seems to you.
0: Yeah, what was happening within the organization that made you feel like okay, this needs to evolve into an actual HR, you know, a separate function? Cuz I think uh, I we deal with small businesses all the time and they're mm-hmm. like, well, payroll can get handled by this person and, you know, the uh, the hiring's handled by the managers. So what were some things that were happening where you were like, no, we need a we need a designated HR person.
1: I think it started with helping my controller with uh, some of the administrative stuff, some of the literal filing um, and just kind of learning about what she was doing Um, and just thought that there was just so much room for efficiency and that the employees, like viewing myself as an employee and wanting kind of a a home base for things like benefits, and like understanding benefits, or am I enrolling in the right one, or what are my options? Um, And also just being a person who has a high level of emotional intelligence, a great sense of empathy, like that side of it, um, you know, really appealed to me. And again, I could see my desire for wanting something like that in the company, uh, therefore knew that I definitely wasn't the only one who wanted someone to help with issues, um, to help a manager sort out um, an employee, you know, performance issue or, um, you know, definitely recruiting, making sure we're recruiting for these these roles, these highly skilled roles um, that are typically, you know, mid to senior level, if not higher, you know, that could be really, really tricky. And there wasn't a system, there wasn't an organization. And um, I just really wanted to be that squeaky wheel that made sure that those systems got put in place.
0: That squeaky wheel you did, which is great because, I mean, I'm biased, but I think HR is needed in every organization. What were some Switching from like from the employee level to an HR capacity, right? There's boundary challenges there. Did you experience any of those?
1: Uh, Boundary challenges in terms of compartmentalizing.
0: Your function, you know, like, I don't know if before you had close relationships with the people that you mm -hmm. were working with that you now had to establish a different kind of relationship with them in the workplace,
1: um, yes and no. I think the big hurdle there um which I think is very common <laughs> in our industry in our field, um is really earning my seat at the table and being recognized as an expert as a subject matter expert, and finding ways to make people want to come to you. you know what I mean um. And it's part of it is trust, of course. You know, earning that trust, and you know, having a track record of of success in certain areas. Uh, but part of it is really challenging because HR tends to be somewhat siloed. Um, you know, you don't know what perceptions people have of HR. Um, I'm also not typically in a lot of kind of collaborative meetings that, you know, say the client services team are, or, you know, a brainstorming meeting where creative is talking, you know, about a a pitch we're working on. So I don't have those type of interactions. So I really need to find ways to create them to make sure everyone knows that I am a resource. I am a, a, you know, a tool they could use and um, that I can be effective and that I can help them you know what's that saying um help me help you
0: yeah i feel like that's a common kind of wall that hr is up against where we are asking to be involved in conversations mm-hmm. and decisions before the decision actually gets gets made so do you feel like you're constantly having to make a business case for your role
1: not so much for my role um but really the challenge is being proactive, especially as we grow, in making sure that like the systems that we have in place are still as effective as we initially intended them to be. Uh, so sometimes that um, you know creates need for you know, for example, automation. Or you know, right now I'm working on updating our benefits admin to something that's more effective that would um, Largely take a lot off my plate, um, but that's you know that's not a compelling argument to to the C suite. So that's that's typically the bigger challenge for me.
0: All right, so you made this business case. They sent to you. Was it your SHRM certification or was it your um, PHR? It was actually one of the last years that they were combined.
1: Oh, so I automatically got both <laughs> okay All right. yeah before they before they split up, um, okay, so yeah, that exam got me both certifications and then I recertify um with both just because i I can. why not? Yeah,
0: yeah. It, why it's not
1: usually not not a big hurdle to do that
0: did you I mean, did you find that useful in your career path like do you did you find that? studying for it and taking the exam was essential for your career track? It's a common question <laughs> I get around That's a the good certifications. Question.
1: I will say yes, but I will also say um the material, which I've heard has changed and evolved a lot in a in a positive way, but the material and you know, like in the prep course and the exam were just not at all what I expected. Um and I, I think I went into it thinking that HR was a lot more black and white than it really is. And and you really can't study for HR the way you, you know, can study for, I don't know, a math exam <laughs> or something. Um, so being successful in HR is kind of being okay living in that gray area or, you know, a place of ambiguity. and. Um, so in that aspect, um, I don't know that the prep course really <laughs> helped, but I'm glad I did it. If I, if I could do it over knowing what I know now, I I still would. Yeah. I mean, I, I get... can be successful without it, but in my case, I'm, I'm glad, especially kind of, kind of in my situation where I went just all in head first.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think it lends itself to a bit of credibility if you have. The, the letters after your name but mm-hmm. I have I have similar feelings and that like I wasn't thrilled like I wasn't elated after getting it because I didn't feel I don't know I just wasn't that excited about it and I know it's valuable for people and it, and they see a lot of value in it I was just kind of like oh okay
1: yeah it, it was pretty anticlimactic, you know, mm-hmm. once my relief was over, um, you know, once my relief subsided from just being able to put that stressful situation behind me. Um, what I think is more valuable, like day-to-day for me is just like the resources available to someone that is certified yeah. and that someone that is, you know, like a member of SHRM or um, the HRCI system.
0: Yeah. So you're an HR department of one and you've always Mm -hmm. been an HR department of one, right there? Always. Yep. Always. What has that experience been like for you? Um, Some of the
1: positives are, I think that being scrappy and having to develop systems and processes that didn't exist before is an incredibly valuable tool. Um, I think it allows me to also eliminate some of those kind of lines of bureaucracy that can exist when there is, you know, a larger company or a larger HR team. I think the fact that I touch every aspect of the employee lifecycle and experience um, is incredibly valuable, and um, you know, the, I, I I think that getting to have my hands in all of those pies is a little bit more aligned with what I want to do versus someone who, for example, just does recruiting or just does um, like performance management. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of work and you really have to be adaptable and you have to know how to time manage and move the needle forward on all of these initiatives and um, how to pivot really, really quickly. from You know, a, a conversation about like, Performance issues, and you know, multiple open roles, and then uh, you know, switching payroll systems. So it can kind
0: of make your head spin. I love that you use the word "scrappy" because I have felt that many times in my career where you, you just have to figure it out. You know, we go into clients where there's no lead in, and you just have mm-hmm. to figure out what's happening and what should be happening and what shouldn't yeah. be happening. <laughs> It was a lot of
1: figuring out. Um, it was a lot of asking forgiveness, not permission, because otherwise, everything would have taken ten times longer than it needed to be. Um, but I'm thankful for for that experience because it was the best way to kind of immerse myself into the role in HR.
0: Sure. Prioritization of the HR function and like your day to day. How did you learn and figure out um, like what is a priority? Because I find that everything, everything that everyone thinks we do is a priority, Oh, a hundred percent. And in reality, like, you know, I'll say the only things that I'll drop everything I'm doing for is a sexual harassment claim and an employee death. Everything else can wait. Mm -hmm. You know, payroll issues. So how did you learn to prioritize and to communicate what your priorities were? I'll let you know when I figure that out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, You're absolutely right, though. Um, Priority is going to look completely different depending on who you're asking and it can get overwhelming and muddy and it can change on a dime. So really what I do is make sure that I'm communicating what my my priority list looks like to, you know, for example, my boss or the CEO um, and just make sure that they're on the same page. Uh, So that not only prevents any misunderstanding, but it also makes sure that they know if something changes, then that needs to be communicated to me. So it kind of is forcing that like interaction. Um and helps make sure that I don't get left out of any um important conversations.
0: Mm. So that trust component with the C suite or top leadership or even, you know, managers, uh, supervisors, managers is so essential in any organization for HR. What were some things that you focused on to develop that trust with them so that, so that they knew, okay, Allie's got it. She's got it handled. We can trust her.
1: Um, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, and it was a lot of like learning how to get what I wanted out of each person. Uh, The best way that I've determined to kind of develop trust is finding those moments of collaboration and letting those managers know that I got it, um, you know, for recruiting and just making sure that, you know, I'm updating them on the status, um, Basically, what am I trying to say? So the opposite of no news is good news, Um, I guess, at the very crux, over-communication and just being consistent and reliable and constantly making sure that – you're evaluating what's working and what's not so that, um, you know, a lot of times I say I'm really just not a fan of the phrase, well, that's the way we've always done it. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> if something needs to change, it should. And um I think there's a lot about the industry I work in and the people I work with that really lend itself to, to making that easier, you know, Mm. because they're, they're typical, typically highly collaborative. Um, you know, they want that kind of supportive communicative, uh, environment. So, um, it's easy to get that reciprocated in terms of like, this is what I need. This is how I can help you.
0: Mm. Did you um in that in those moments of trying to establish those trusts, did you ever find yourself in any sticky situations where it was um I'm gonna communicate to you as much as I possibly can, but some of this is a need to know situation or a, a confidential situation
1: oh I mean that happens all the time absolutely it's it's really just I guess if I could put it in different terms it's all it's like making sure that they know there's what was the euphemism that just popped in my head
0: we call it managing managing up like making sure that what they (sighs) need to know they're equipped with exactly um
1: and that can be hard because there's there's a lot, um, but again, it's kind of going back to that business case. If you understand how it impacts them, it, it's a little little easier to get what you want out of them. So I'm almost kind of that 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 parachute, you know, that support system. Um, and usually, when people are frustrated by being kind of on a need to know basis, um, even just a little bit of context can really help.
0: Sure. So, as an HR department of one, where do you find community? Um, I actually
1: have, coincidentally, have a really good friend who's in HR. Uh, so she's she's kind of my my kite string when I need to commiserate or just like bounce ideas off of her. Um, you know, I I have friends who are like in leadership positions, so on some level, um, that's a that's a very strong sense of community for me. Um, but I also, you know, love kind of outsourcing it. Um, I'm a part of HR Hot Seat Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. Which has been really great, especially during the pandemic, in just making me feel that I'm not alone in, you know, feeling the way I, you know, feel just dealing with all of the, um, you know, the the impacts of, you know, the pandemic on employee engagement, on you know, recruiting, retention, things like that. Um, So HR Hot Seat actually has monthly events. And it very much is centered around community and getting the support that you need and helping um, other people work through an issue. And, you know, they have their own, uh, like, what are they called? Slack workspace. Oh, nice. Yeah, workspaces. So even outside um, Mm -hmm. outside of the events themselves, you know, there's that community there. And a lot of it is just talking through something and be like, okay, am I am I crazy? I was just about or to like, say the can, amount- can anyone else relate
0: <laughs> the amount of times that I've been in situations where I'm like, is this am I have I forgotten how to do my job? Like you almost get gaslit by someone else, you know, by an employee or by a situation. Right? Or sometimes yourself. <laughs> or yeah or sometimes yourself. So having those people i have a friend who i worked with in hr and sometimes i'll text her and she works in a corporate hr environment with Mm -hmm. there's two or three people in her hr department and so i'll sometimes text her and be like hey what would you do in this situation am i totally off off kilter because you do you start to be like am i fucking insane
1: oh my god yes all the time Mm -hmm. um it was also early on in the pandemic, Sherm and I don't know if it was Sherm or if it was a local chapter, had a mentorship program that I signed up for. And I uh, developed a really great uh, relationship with my mentor that we continued even after the program ended. And that has um, done a lot to not just give me someone to like, bounce ideas off of or help me work through, you know, if I'm second guessing myself, but even, you know, like the burnout and the imposter syndrome and, you know, me worrying about the things that I haven't gotten to do yet and and her really kind of validating my experience in HR so far. Uh, So that's, that's been a really big part of the sense of community that I've experienced.
0: I love it. I also find that sometimes in, in the sense of, in the communities. Like, I think you realize how much you actually know already. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: You know, like we do, there's a local one near us and we'll go to trainings. And, and I remember one of my employees early on, we were at a legislative update and she was like, Oh my God, I know, I know a lot of this stuff already. This is great. So it almost affirms just how good you are at your job.
1: It really does. Especially when, you know, it, it could be a legislative update or just like how to deal with XYZ scenario. And you can watch a webinar on it. You can read it in a newsletter. And then that situation doesn't come up for months, years, if ever. <laughs> so it, it can be really easy to to second guess yourself. Not to mention that like everything is
0: changing, you know, nothing is static in HR no. or
1: legislation.
0: I call it constant job security. People just keep getting more challenging <laughs> and the legislature is not resting.
1: Oh, God. oh, yeah. People, why do people just keep
0: getting more challenging? I I don't know if it's like since the first of the year, but we have just seen an uptick in like challenging situations that our clients are facing. And I, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but it's like nothing I've seen before.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that's, that would be the title of my autobiography or just really just like, like nothing I've ever seen before or just <laughs> like to the- sum up like the past 12 months.
0: Yes. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, Ali, where can listeners connect with you? Um, by
1: email, uh, or hitting me up on LinkedIn. Um, Or if you're in one of those HR communities, Slack workspaces that I'm in, you know, feel free to send me a message uh, because I would love to uh, grow my HR community personally.
0: Yes. And we'll make sure that all of her details are in the show notes. And of course, if you connect with her on Slack after listening to the podcast, make sure you let her know that that's how you, how you learned about her. So Allie, thank you so much for being on Quirky HR. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.